0: So glad you're with us tonight. I was just taking a look at our Modesto campus uh, as I look at you guys on my phone. Yes, I can see you. There's a camera right above the screen that you're looking at right now, so we're in this thing together. We might be separated by a few miles, but give me a wave if you would, please. Come on, I see you guys waving at me right now. I see somebody on the right-hand side. You're not waving at me. You need to be waving at me right now because I'm looking at you. I'm just kidding. Good evening. We're glad you're with us. Uh, Modesto, thanks for being with us. And uh, Decula, thank you for joining us as well today. We're grateful. We want to get right into God's Word. If you brought your Bible with you, would you open it to 1 Samuel, please? The book of 1 Samuel. Last week I mentioned in a message uh, just kind of by the way um, that wildfires are devastating. If you've ever been in a part of the country in which you've experienced wildfires or um, you had a family member who experienced the devastation of wildfires, you understand what I'm talking about. There was an article in the USA Today that was titled, Hesitation is a Fatal Mistake. And it talked about people who were warned in advance to leave because of wildfires, but they chose not to do that. They were told that their property could be engulfed in flames. And the, the fire that this article was speaking of actually claimed two dozen lives. And so in this article, they interviewed some people, and one of them was Sergeant Conrad Grayson. And he was pretty frustrated with the people that were being warned, but weren't listening. And here's what he said. He said, we're begging people to leave. We're begging people, and they don't take us seriously. They want to pack up some clothes or they want to fight the fire with their ba- in their backyard with a garden hose. And he was frustrated. Firefighter John Smallridge said, he said, they looked like they were packing for a trip. The ones who listened to me and left, left the area, lived. The ones who didn't, died. You would think that a warning like that would get your attention, wouldn't you? You would think that if a fire was coming, you knew, you would know that you need to act right now. But there's something inside of every human being that tells us, I've got a few more minutes. I've got a little bit more time. I, I got time to run inside. My TV is important to me so I can take it off the wall and I can put it in, in the car. I can, I can handle it myself. I've got one of those high quality Garden hoses in my backyard, and surely I can protect my house myself. There's something inside of us that when we're given a warning, we don't want to heed it because we think everything's going to be okay. We think everything is going to be all right. I'm sure what's happened to other people is not going to happen to me. So we can be slow to respond. If you agree, say yes, it's just the truth. And so we watch the news coverage of people whose houses were burning down because they didn't listen to the warnings. And when we watch news articles or read about uh, things like this, we ask the question, what's wrong with them? Why Why don't they do something? What's it gonna take to get their attention? And so what we do is we have to turn up the volume on our TV so we can silence the blaring fire alarms in our own homes. We can see the warning signs in other people's lives. We can see that somebody else needs to take some action, but when it comes to our own lives, we can be very stubborn, can't we? We can be slow to respond. And so last week we talked about how on the dashboard of our lives there are these blinking lights that try to wake us up and warn us so that we can act now and be saved from all kinds of pain later on in our lives. This week I want to talk to you about responding to them. If you got your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 2, we're going to be studying about a, a guy by the name of Eli. Eli is a a priest in Israel. He's actually got a, a dual portfolio in his job, which we'll talk about in just a few moments. But he's about 40 years old. And in many ways, Eli understood God's warnings better than anybody else alive at the time. Ironically, Eli was charged oftentimes with being the voice of God. He would tell people, be warned, be aware. God is, is going to judge you or something is coming away. There's, there's smoke in the air. The, the, the heat of the flames can be, th- there's ash falling from the sky. But he wasn't aware in all of this prophesying that his own house was on fire. His own house was burning down. Even though he knew God's commands, even though he was well aware of God's warnings, he wasn't responding to those in his own life. First Samuel chapter 2, verse number 12. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Let's stop there. Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas. And uh, because they were his sons, they were also priests um this that's to say they were considered to be spiritual leaders of the nation of israel and yet they had no regard for the lord and it's worse than you think it's not just that they were priests but they didn't really go to church very often it's not just that it's it's something deeper than that we read that as priests they stole money from the offering on a regular basis that's an abomination to god secondly they were stealing the sacrifices that were meant for god they were eating them themselves and daddy eli the the head honcho the main priest knew about it he knew that this was happening he knew what his sons were up to in fact in verse number 22 the message puts it this way by this time eli was very old he kept getting reports on how his sons were ripping off the people and sleeping with the women who helped out at the sanctuary. There's a problem in the church. So you've got this priest and this, this this father who hears these reports. Eli, Daddy, hears these reports. Hey, Eli, you know what the other priests are doing? You know, the other priests, your, your sons? Have you heard what they're doing? The alarm is blaring. And it's time for daddy, it's time for Eli, the main priest, to take some action. He's got to do something. So we read in the scriptures that it said, Eli took them to task. Says he called them out, oh, this is gonna be good. Daddy's coming on the scene. Boys, you done did messed up. Daddy's gonna correct you now. Something's going, he's probably gonna remove them as priests, something serious is gonna happen. But here's what we read that Eli says to his sons. Eli called them out. What's going on here? Why are you doing these things? I hear story after story of your corrupt and evil carrying on. Oh, my sons, this is not right. These are terrible reports I'm getting. Stories spreading right and left among God's people. If you sin against another person, there's help, God's help. But if you sin against God, who's around to help? And, um... That's it. That's all Eli says. He gives him a good talking to. And that's it. So that's the super nanny calls a threatening parent. A parent that's always saying, Well, next time this happens, or if you do that again, or I'll turn this car around, Hopney, Phineas, I'm, this, this is your last warning. I will turn this car around. Around and he's got a lot of words, but daddy has no action. And we read of the warning that comes to Eli. God sends a special messenger. God says to Eli, why do you treat your sons better than me? Turning them loose to get fat on these offerings and ignoring me, verse number 27. And then God says in verse number 31, be well warned. It won't be long before I wipe out both your family and your future family there are gonna be some long-term consequences for this hmm so God warns Eli that a fire is coming if God was to give you such a warning about your family and your future family would you not do something would you not activate something in your life But I'm telling you, as I search through the scriptures, there is no response recorded from Eli after this warning. He receives the message and that's it. And the next chapter, another warning comes. This time it comes through a boy named Samuel, who grew up to be a great prophet of God. And in verse number 11, he hears God's voice. Samuel hears God's voice for the very first time. And God gives to Samuel a message, little boy Samuel. A message for Eli, this older priest. And here's what God says to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning at verse number 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. In other words, Eli had done absolutely nothing. I've warned him and I've warned him and I've warned him, God is saying, and the time is up. The time for warning is over. God says he's done nothing. He hasn't heeded the warning signs. He's well aware of my commands and yet he hasn't done anything. Now, Now, here's what I know about Eli because I feel like I know it about human nature because I know it about myself. If you were to rewind Eli's life about 40 years, when he first started out as a priest, this isn't what he wanted. Don't you all agree with me? This is not what he signed up for. It's not something that he meant to have happened, but then it happened. God had warned him, right? He smelled the smoke and and he saw the ash and he felt the heat of the fire, but he doesn't do, he never does anything it so the question that I have is I've searched this scripture we're talking about God's warning system is is not just the question can we see the warning signs of God but the question is what are we going to do how are we going to respond when God warns us because God's warnings call us to action his warnings call us to do something his warnings should give us a sense of urgency so for the next few moments all of us at all of our campuses We are going to look at some things in the life of Eli, and I think we're going to see ourselves pretty easily in this story. I know that I see myself in this story, and we're going to consider what keeps us from really responding to the warnings that God has had for us in our lives. You need to know, first of all, that Eli wasn't just a priest. I told you he was also also a, a judge. That's a dual portfolio that usually in the, in the culture in that era, um, a priest and a judge were two different people. But Eli's like, nope, I got this. So he takes on a dual portfolio, two full-time jobs in his life, and, and it wasn't typical. He decided to be both. This would have translated to Eli being very, very busy, very much overextended in his work. He would have had his hands full as just a priest and he would have had his hands full as just a judge, but Eli was both, and here's what happens. We get really, really busy, especially at work. We get overextended, and we see the warning lights in other places, maybe it's in our spiritual life, or like in Eli's case, maybe it's in his family life, and we see these lights lights flashing, and it's not that we don't recognize them, it's just that we're really busy right now. So our response is the first word I wanna share with you tonight, procrastination and he, he, here's what we say to God I'll get to it later I, 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 I it's not that I don't agree that there's a problem I know God that there is a problem but it's, I see the fires getting a little bit closer but it's just a really busy season now when things slow down when I catch my breath I'm going to address this I, I really am so maybe for you your story is or was a whole lot like Eli's story. You're doing really well maybe at addressing the blinking lights at work, but you've ignored some of the blinking lights at home. And I got to tell you this series is just I'm preaching to me and you can listen in. When when you're at home, you might take phone calls during dinner or or you, or you go you go to the kids' games and you're checking your emails. Or you're on a date and you decide to take the text message. You're you're, you're making sure that the fires at work are out, but but there's smoke in your own house. God is calling us to do something about it. We intend to. We intend to. It's our plan. God, it's on my to-do list. I'm going to address these things. I just can't do it right now because I've got a really full plate. I've got a really busy schedule. And here's what we do. We, we, We let ourselves off the hook. Don't, don't we? we? We let ourselves off off the hook because we know we're going to get to it eventually. So we say, God, I know what you're saying, God. I, I recognize that these things need some attention. It's not that I don't care. I really do care. I am going to address this. I just can't do it right now. I'll get to it later. And it's called procrastination. Eventually what happens is what we read in verse number 25. But they, speaking of Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's boys, but they were far gone in disobedience and refused to listen to a thing their father said because by the time their daddy gets around to it, it's too late. Have I mean, you all seen the show Hoarders, right? Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen the show Hoarders, mountains of stuff, maybe a 12 inch walkway. People have to walk kind of sideways through the house. They can't really find anything. Certainly, there's a kitchen table in there somewhere, but we have no idea. You know what I'm talking about? No idea where. It's at, you know, there's a bathroom in the house. Maybe there's two, but you can't find the bathroom. Forget about finding the bed. How did it ever get this bad? And in the interview, um, these people, typically the first thing that they say in the microphone is, I'm not really sure how this happened. I'm not sure how it got like this. I can tell you how it got like this, right? One day at a time, just one day at a time. Then they say this, this is interesting because everybody, 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 on the show says the same thing. I'm gonna to get to it. I mean, I'm really glad y'all are here to help me get my house cleaned up, but I was, if you wouldn't have come, I was gonna to get to it. I, I would have taken care of it anyway. And when you watch the show, they're about ready to lose their home and about ready to lose their kids or they already have. And you ask yourself, what's it gonna take? What's it gonna to take to wake these people up? to get their attention, to get them to move into some action. And God is asking you the same question today. The same question. What's it going to take for you to address the situation in your life? You're going to have to lose your family. You're going to have to lose your marriage. You're going to have to lose your purity. You're going to have to lose your job. I mean, what is it going to take for you to acknowledge that now is the time to act? The Holy Spirit's word for us New life is today, it's now. Now is the time. Hebrew says today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your hearts, but we procrastinate and it's not that we don't care, because we do care. We just think it can wait until later. Word number two that I noticed from Eli's life is the word denial. We look at the warning, we're aware of the fire, but we just say to ourselves, it's, it's not going to be me. It's not that big of a deal. I'm sure everything's going to be just fine. At first, Eli, Daddy, doesn't really do anything about his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, even though he really knows what's going on. But then he starts to get report after report from other people, and eventually it gets to the place that he has to address it. But when he does, what I pick up from the Scriptures is he's shocked He's shocked, right? He's just, he's just shocked. He, he, did, he, what does he say to his boys at first? He says, what's going on here, boys? Like, like, I never saw this coming. It's denial. And here's the definition of denial. It's the failure to recognize or the refusal to acknowledge the warning of God in your life. The reason we enter into denial is because we don't wanna see the warnings. Because, because if, I mean, we don't wanna see the warnings because it, the warnings are gonna call us to do something, call us to change something that we don't want to change, that I don't wanna change. It's hard. Don't raise your hand, but at all of our campuses, How many of you have fallen for a scam before? (laughs) I'm fixing to confess one to you right now, right? Um, We were just a couple years into planning new life, so it's been about a decade ago. We didn't have much money. It was all invested in the church. But my wife, she really needed a car that was reliable, and I was like "Oh, for 3 and getting her car. So I, I, I said, can you give me a list of, of what you want? Because we, I mean, we had like a $3,000 budget to get like the primo car, right? Which you know is not realistic. But she gave me this list and I'm like, I'm going to do my best. So I go to Craigslist and I'm looking and looking and looking. Because you can trust everything on Craigslist. I'm, I'm looking and looking and looking. And I finally find this car that seems to meet almost all the boxes that my wife has put Now, she's not real picky, but she just wanted some, some, some realistic things. I'm just not, I'm not, it was normal what she wanted. But after an exhaustive search, I found it, and it seemed to be too good to be true. How many of you know that's the first thing I should pay attention to, right? Yep. We went, and we test drove it. Beautiful car, not a scratch on it, shiny, white. It was clean on the inside and the outside. Obviously, it didn't have very many miles on it. You stepped on the gas, that it went, Wee, and then it would go, right? And I thought, well, that's interesting. Wee, and then it would go, right? That didn't seem normal to me for a car, but the lady who was, got, owned it was on the, in the car with us, and she's like, yeah, that's just the way that this, i would say the name, the Saturns work. You just get to step on the gas, and then they go. I'm like, oh, okay. What a a fool I was. was $3,000 to buy the car, paid for it cash because it checked all the boxes, drove it home, got it home literally less than 24 hours later. Total transmission was out of the car, and I didn't know what to do because the lady wasn't responding to my calls. She was no longer on the grid. Not even sure if the house that we picked it up at was her house or not. Next thing we know, our doorbell rang. Within 24 hours, ding dong. I noticed you have a Saturn parked out front. I've been looking for a Saturn for a long time. Could I buy that Saturn from you? And I thought, well, the Lord must have given me manna from heaven until the guy says, I'll give you $900 for it. And I thought, $900? It's really depreciated since I drove it off the lot yesterday, right? I, since I brought it home. And, and uh, it, it seemed, I know what you're thinking. Sure, you got Schneikern, right? You got Schneikern. I agree with you. This is what I learned about myself. And what I know about other people maybe you know to be true it's hard to see the warning signs when you don't want to see the warning signs I'll tell you why scams work it's because people people don't want to believe it's a scam now other folks see it for what it is right sure you do As I'm telling you the story, you're thinking, well, of course, Troy, what kind of a nut job are you? Yeah, but when you're the one, it's harder to see because you don't want to see it. These scams work because people are in, I was in denial. They want something to be true so desperately that they refuse to acknowledge what is obvious to so many people around. So denial is the refusal to acknowledge, the refusal to recognize the warning systems of God in your life because you want to keep on doing what you're doing. You want to keep on living. the, this, You want to want to change, but you don't really want to change. You don't want to change because you become so comfortable with where you're at. And here's what happens. We stay in denial, but the warnings will continue to come until you start experiencing severe consequences and eventually hit rock bottom. And I think God would say to you this day, do you smell the smoke? Can you hear the fireman pounding on your door? Get out! Get out now! You don't have to hit rock bottom, Jesus would tell you. You don't have to hit rock bottom. Don't don't buy into the lie. You don't have to hit rock bottom. He's saying, God is saying, I'm trying to get your attention right now. Don't wait until late. Do something today because what you do today can make all the difference later on. Eli shows us another common response to God's warning system in chapter 3, verse number 13. Check this out. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Eli did nothing to stop them. He found out about what they were doing, but he didn't do anything About it, he's aware of it, but he does nothing. The word for this third and final word I'm going to give you today is the word passive. Passive. Eli, Eli shows it to us. He's just passive. Passive. Here's what we do: we see God's warning lights, and we just say, "I'm not going to do anything because." I'm sure it's all going to be just fine. Everything's going to work out. And we gloss that under the the veneer of faith. But it's not faith. It's foolishness. We're passive. And one of the reasons that we are passive is because we, if we knew just how bad things might be, oh, it just seems like... We'd be happier if we just don't look, if we just don't address the reality. And so we stay passive. We see studies on this, studies like, like it's reflected in other areas. Like if somebody's family lineage has history of cancer in their family, oftentimes they're going to be the least likely candidates to go in for a cancer screening. It's just true. Or, or when a person has financial trouble, they're the least likely person to stay on top of their finances and balance the checkbook it's just true why because there's a part of us that says doing nothing is what's best (laughs) right but that's not how you deal with the fire When, when a fire is coming and you do nothing the fire spreads it spreads quickly it spreads rapidly there are a few cues I think as to why Eli was passive why we might be passive first I want you to look at Eli's response Samuel this boy comes to him, hears a word from God and shares it with him. He comes and says, look, here's what's going to happen to your family. Here's what's going to happen to your sons. And look how Eli responds to Samuel in verse number, eight, uh, in, in verse number 18. He says, um, so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. <laughs> he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. You're going to die. Your children are going to die. All your future generations are going to suffer. He is the Lord. God is God. Let him do what he thinks is best. And you know what? That might sound super spiritual. You might read that through the lens of what? Faith. But it's not. God wants us to understand this is very passive and it's wrong. You see, what God was looking for was a broken man who would fall on his knees and say, God, I have been so wrong. My way has not been the right way. Look at where my way has led me. God, you know what is best. God, I want for my life what you want for my life. So this day, God, I surrender everything to you. God, I beg you for your mercy. And I cry out to you today. I need your help, God. That's what God was looking for. Not, well, God is God. Let him do what he thinks is best. But I think the number one reason Eli was so passive is revealed in verse number 22, where it says, by this time, Eli was very old. I think Eli probably thought, it's too late. That's that's a common response. I understand what you're saying I know something needs to be done but it's just too late for me to do anything about it right now my guess is no matter what age you are you agree with this you see the warning signs in your life in fact you might be aware of those he might have been aware of those warning signs for, for years but what are you supposed to do about it now because it's just it's just too late it seems that way if you would have told me this five or ten years ago 15 years ago well maybe but what am i supposed to do about it now the house is already burned to the ground you might say troy my my kids are too old my marriage is too broken my debt is too overwhelming my friend is too angry my reputation is too shot my addictions are too powerful my relationship with jesus has grown too cold it's not that i don't want to take action because i do but what am i supposed to do about it now things have just gone Too far. And in a very real sense, the bad news is you're right. That's why we have this message that God is giving to us that says you can decide today what to do so that you can spare yourself from heartbreak tomorrow. So, on one hand, I desperately want you to get the message. What do you need to act on today? What, if you don't act, what's it gonna be like later? But there's another part of me that would say, it's too late for you. But it is never too late for Jesus Christ. It is never too late for Jesus. It is never too late for Jesus. My favorite thing about God is that he can redeem absolutely anything. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God can redeem. It doesn't mean there's not going to be any pain. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but he can redeem it. It is never too late for God. It is too late for you, but it's not too late for him. So if you're at a place today that you feel like it is too late, I've missed my opportunity. The theme of this entire book, the theme of the whole Bible is there is a redeemer and his name is Jesus Christ. And you can't, but he can. So if there are some warning signs in your life right now, if you can smell the smoke, if you can see the ash falling in your backyard, if you can feel the heat of the fire, would you please, I beg of you, take some action in your life, not tomorrow, not I'm gonna get to it, not thanks for the reminder, I'll put it on my to-do list, but do it today. Would you bow your hearts and your heads with me at all of our campuses and pray with me but before we pray with your heads bowed and your eyes closed let me just ask you a few questions is there some person that you need to confess to is there someone you need to ask accountability from do you need to sit down with someone and say we're going to start doing things differently Is there a phone call that you need to make? Is there someone at home that you need to talk to? Is there something at home that you need to throw away? Do it today. I'm gonna pray and I want you to think, really think. And I want you to listen. What is God warning? You about he's not doing it as an angry judge pointing a wrinkled finger at you he is doing this as a loving father saying I want to spare you from all the pain that's right around the bend let me help you listen heed my warnings and when I'm done praying I want you to respond not tomorrow not when you get home but I'd like you to respond today mighty God we come to you by faith and trust that your word is true you've given to us example after example of faithful followers of god and unfaithful followers of god you've given us warnings in the bible you've given us warnings and caution lights and blinking lights and dash lights and road signs all around us trying to warn us, to lead us, and to guide us into all truth and to all righteousness, but we tend to want to look the other way. We'll procrastinate, or, or we'll deny, we'll turn away from what it is you're trying to show us, God, or, or, or we decide that we can do, we can decide what is best in our lives, and we'll be passive. So Lord, today, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would help us to see things as you see them. Lord, no longer be bound by these things that are trying to take us out and lead us down the path of destruction. God, we see, we see the ash and we smell the smoke and we feel the heat and we don't want to get burned. And like Eli, we don't want our family to perish and our future generations, oh God, to suffer. So we confess these things to you today, God. And we ask for your help with all heads bowed and all eyes closed and no one looking around at any one of our campuses. I'm speaking right now to Lathrop. I'm speaking to Modesto. I'm speaking to to Tecula. I'm speaking to our online friends. The fire is coming and God is showing you. I'm gonna count to three and when I get to three, if you sense that God is telling you something, man, I'm already standing because I know he's speaking to me. If you sense that god is telling you something it doesn't mean that you're destined for a devil's hell what it means is god is trying to wake you up and spare you from the pain and he wants to help you and get you on the straight and narrow so when i get to three if you're sensing god's warning in your life then you're going to heed that warning and you're going to take some steps to respond to god today man i want you to take a step of faith by simply standing for the lord one I know you don't want to do this. I know inside of you, you're like, well, I could stand at home. That would not be today. I want you to take charge today, to respond today to something inside of you is saying you can stay seated. You might be the only one. I'm telling you, nobody should be looking anyway. This is between you and God. And he wants to help you and meet you in a mighty way. Are you ready? Three, stand to your feet. Come on, Manesso. Come on, Dekula. Come on, Latham. Stand up god i smell the smoke i feel the heat god i I see the ash lord i need your help i need your help mighty god mighty god i need i need your help